The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And guess what is in theaters for one weekend only? Terrifier 2. Art the Clown is back with a vengeance. And he's getting a special limited theatrical run in over 800 movie theaters across the states. This Thursday only. See Terrifier 2 in all its gory glory on the big screen this weekend only. I'll be checking it out in Washington, D.C., in between Dynamite at Rampage. I'll be at the AMC Courthouse Plaza 8. Come on by and say hi to me. It is going to be amazing. I saw this movie at the uh, premiere in Austin a few weeks ago, and it is absolutely insane. One of the goriest, craziest movies I've ever seen. And, of course, I'm in it. Uh, And we're going to discuss why my part was uh, a little bit edited down today. But let me say this. It is worth checking out. It's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Definitely the best horror movie of the year. And I'm not just saying that. It is absolutely gory. If you like gore, you are going to love this. Terrifier 2, themovie.com, has a list of all the cities and theaters showing the film this weekend, including Washington, D.C. Get your tickets now. I've got a cameo in the movie, like I said. And if you want to see whether I survive or become another of art the clown's many victims you got to go check it out in theaters and today we are talking to director damian leone uh, i flew in about two years ago and filmed uh, one night in staten island just as the covid lockdown was ending in fact damian will explain how he made that happen of course he's here today he's been working on this film for the better part of three years and just like fozzy he used the pandemic shutdown to make the movie better he fleshed out characters kill scenes and the actual storyline he talking all about that today he explains how nightmare before elm street part three inspired this script and characters he's talking about the whole good versus evil and angel versus devil subplots in this movie he describes a lot of the special effects that he created and built himself for this movie and why he also ended up handling almost all the makeup effects as well he talks about the surprise amount of money he raised through the indiegogo campaign and how that led him to spending two full days filming with fans he shares the original inspiration behind art the clown and the short film that he wrote introducing the character he explains how he found actor david howard thornton and how david just kills it bringing art to life 
all the cool things that Dave did as an actor to flesh out once again. There it is, that creepy, evil character. He never speaks or makes a single sound through both movies. And of course, we talk about the future of Terrifier. Is there a part three coming? Will I be in it? Is Hollywood banging down the door of this crazy popular indie slasher film to turn it into a big budget franchise? Art the Clown is the best horror movie killer in the last 20 years. Mark my words, you're going to freak out when you see this movie and you're going to enjoy hearing from Damon Leone right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. Well, we'll just jump into it, man. Damien Leone's here, like you said. It's a great day, a huge day. Finally, after, gosh, you can fill me in, two years, three years, four years, Terrifier 2 is finally about to get its debut uh, at film festivals, and you can tell us about the actual release when that's going to happen. But, I mean, dude, it was like, almost two years ago when we did our part, which was supposed to be the end of the movie, but that was still not even close. I know, man. It's really been about three years, I think. I, we, we started in October of uh, 2019, and we filmed our final insert about a month ago that we quickly plugged into the movie. No joke. Just about a month ago? About a month ago, yeah. So, I mean, besides the obvious, was it all because of COVID and lockdowns and that sort of thing? But what took so long to get everything rolling? No, honestly, man, uh, COVID set us back about three, four months. Yeah. But it was just a really ambitious movie, super ambitious for the resources that we had and the crew that we had. Really, this is this movie couldn't have been done without my crew. I, when people finally see the behind the scenes and they see the amount of people that it took to make this movie, it looks like just a really low key gorilla ragtag group of people. It's like five, six people sometimes making up the crew and doing all this work. So it's really, it's really amazing, but I just wanted this to be the best thing possible. And I wanted it to stand out. And I feel like the horror community gave us this opportunity. It's like, they kind of like let us in the door, but now it's time to really show them what, what we can do. So I really wanted this movie to deliver on the promises that we've made. Well, it's funny because terrifier the original when it first came out was so I think took a lot of people by surprise just at how amazing is the word, but just how violent and how uh, I don't know, just just the imagery and just just how uh, revolutionary. I don't know. I'm, I'm not even catching the right words here. Just how different it was for what was going on in horror at the time, because we've seen 100,000 horror movies, but the Terrifier just came out maybe so visceral and went right for the throat. I hadn't seen a movie like that in a long time. Oh, wow. Thanks, buddy. I certainly wanted to make that impression because, again, it was such a low-budget movie, and this was sort of going to be my only shot, if any, to, to really stand out. So in order to do that, I wanted to show the audience things you would not particularly see in a Hollywood R-rated movie. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the main scene that everybody talks about walking away from that movie is the now notorious hacksaw scene. And that was something I said, what can we show people that's really going to mess with them? And I've seen, I've been watching slasher movies literally since I'm three years old. I've seen it all. And I started you know, investigating and looking up medieval torture techniques and real things that you can do to a, wow. a body that are pretty deplorable. So I found this medieval torture technique where they would really hang people upside down and saw them in half between their legs. And supposedly because you were upside down and the blood was draining to your head, 
and you weren't hitting any major arteries that quickly, the person would be alive for quite some time before they died, which sounds insane. I'm sure you would die of shock almost instantly. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. God will. You know, it's funny. Let me do just, I did a project once of medieval torture. And if people only knew, those guys were some sick motherfuckers. I mean, my goodness, the stuff that they would do. So, yes, you're not the only one that looked up medieval tortures to find out. But they would they would find ways to do this. You know, like you said, like like an Iron Maiden, for example. That's not just a cool name of a heavy metal band. The way they would place those spikes when they closed the Maiden on you, you would be basically impaled for hours you know until you bled out because you you wouldn't hit any actual major arteries or organs so that is a real thing exactly it's brutal and the romans i mean every civilization would come up with the most despicable sadistic things to do (laughs) so i figured we'd have uh, arthur clown do that to people but they loved it and we even you know catherine i always have to praise catherine corcoran who yeah we love catherine yeah and she was just adamant. And I remember the first time I met with her, um, before we started shooting the scene, I just wanted to hang out with her, just grab coffee and talk about the role. And she said, you know, if we're going to do this, this has to be the craziest kill scene and we have to go all the way. And I said, well, that's what I plan on doing. I mean, if we're gonna do this, let's do it. Let's do it right. And she didn't shy away from anything. I mean, she didn't question anything. She was just all in and what you see is what you get there's really no trickery she's really upside down hanging by her ankles and that was something we we had to figure out how to do basically the night before and on the spot and it was pretty dangerous and the environment was disgusting we were in a real uh, abandoned building it was freezing it was in december i think and it was just it was intense that day for sure but she's she was the mvp no doubt. Well, and just to put a cap on that and talking with her, because she and I have become friends over the years. She said you could only film for a minute and a half or two minutes at a time because she literally is upside down and you can't put someone upside down because of all the head, uh, all the blood rushing to the head. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And she even said that she was like, she got sick the next day or something like her equilibrium was off. She had to go to the doctor. So <laughs> I love her. She was amazing. But we went in hoping that, that scene was going to be the showstopper and the one that was talked about. And now people are literally getting tattoos of that scene of Catherine on their body being cut in half. And there's artwork and figures being made of her, model kits being made of her. When I saw that, <laughs> and and that was the greatest thing ever. It made me feel so good because to put somebody through that and not to have any reward at the end would have been really devastating. So it was great to see that sort of validation. Well, once again, like you mentioned, you wanted to do something that had never been seen before and that was iconic. And not only with this kill, which like you mentioned, everybody talks about, but in Art the Clown itself. That's another reason. I'll never forget. We were on the tour bus, a Fozzie tour bus, and, and Rich Ward, who you've spoken to before, said, I got a movie for you. And I was like, what is it? Terrifier. All right, I'll check it out. And then you watch it. And it's this, it's the killer, too. Like, Art, we haven't seen a movie serial killer like this maybe since Jason Voorhees and Micah Myers and that type of iconic look and just vibe to him. In what part of the, of, of your brain did you come up with art and how did you get, cause you, what people might not know is you also do most of the makeup and special effects as well. As far as I could tell, at least on terrifier too, you did for sure. Oh yeah. No, I do. I do it all. Uh, I had, I had help on uh, part two from my uh, partner, Phil Falcone who's not a makeup artist. He's just my close friend. And, and, but he wanted to learn on terrifier one. He said, you know, I just want to be by your side and learn and help you do whatever I can. And now 
he's there, especially when you see, like I said, the BTS. He's there by my side the whole way, helping yeah. me with all these special effects. I mean, he's he's the man. But I do all the sculpting and like the onset applications. There was a couple of days where I had some assistants come in finally to help me uh, apply some makeup and stuff. But you know, it's funny you say that because that's the story that I hear from everybody regarding how they stumbled upon art. They all said. Because we had no marketing, there was no push for Terrifier One. All the popularity from Terrifier really is just organic word of mouth, which is pretty amazing. Right. But uh, people said they all say I was scrolling through Netflix one day, scrolling through the horror section, and I just stumbled across his face. And they all said, "I, I got to see what's up with this character." And then that's how they checked it out. So it was really the striking image of his face that sort of drew most people in originally. I mean, when I sculpted his face originally. In my first short film, The Ninth Circle, where he uh, first appeared, it was a lot more subtle. But as it went along, I wanted him to look a lot more gaunt, more like a zombie and more very Joker comic book-esque. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of uh, his attributes, like his pointy nose, the chin, and even like your classic devil look that we all know. Right, right. Yeah, I figured that would just strike an immediate chord that's sort of just ingrained in everybody. It's just a striking image of a, a devil face. So I gave him that. And the other thing I say is, I have to thank Tim Curry's Pennywise. Mm. I think it was 2005 when I made the first short film. He was, and he's still arguably the king of all killer clowns. And I said, if I'm going to do a killer clown, there's no way I can go anywhere near that character. So I don't want my character to be colorful. I don't want him to have hair. I don't want him to speak. Uh, So all those things kind of led to what made art even a little more original and fresh. Were you scared of clowns as a kid? Or what, what did you think of a clown, this murderous clown, you know? I did think they were creepy for sure. I didn't have a particular obsession with them the way I was obsessed with Jason, Michael Myers, Freddy, you know, the classic villains. But they were very creepy. There was also this very creepy movie that's sort of obscure called Clown House that came out in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh-huh. It's very creepy. And it's uh, three silent killer clowns that uh, escape mental patients that go into a circus. <laughs> it's, it's pretty creepy. And that, that stuck with me. But funny enough, the inspiration for the story that Art first appears in, which was called The Ninth Circle, is my first short film. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan, the original, obviously. It's like my top three favorite shows of all time. And there's this uh, creepy episode called Mirror Image, where this woman's alone in a bus station in the middle of the night, and her doppelganger is messing with her throughout the entire episode. Very creepy. Um, Obviously, I didn't use anything with the doppelganger, but the atmosphere of the woman being alone in that environment i loved and i wanted to do something with that coincidentally at the same time my mother was commuting to work and she would have to walk to the bus and take a train and these two days in a row this guy started following her and she was getting really creeped out wow yeah and i didn't think about this till recently because i was trying to figure out you know where did that stem from that story in that setting and this was really what it was and i remember her telling me like details like oh you know i put my keys in between my fingers i'm like ready to (laughs) rise out if something happens you know god forbid nothing happened thank god but then that really set up the story for my first short film i wanted this guy terrorizing this woman uh, alone on a bus and then it was just well what is this guy I, i like characters i like fantastic creatures or iconic looking killers things like that so that's when i decided to turn him into a clown and that evolved into art the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So when you filmed art, obviously Terrifier, I mean, the th- and I haven't seen Terrifier 2, even though I was in it for a, a couple cool scenes, but Terrifier 1, what I really loved about it is, okay, and you can tell us just how low if you want to, obviously maybe a low-budget movie, but it didn't look low-budget, it just looked gritty and dirty and grimy, which fit the vibe of the movie. Like you said, when Catherine gets cut up in that place, it's it's, it's an abandoned building and it looks like it. And it feels like it. So even though, you know, it's like Metallica spent a lot of money to sound really bad on St. Anger. And a lot of movies probably spend a lot of money to look that gritty, but you obviously probably didn't have the money to spend on it, but you really nailed that vibe, even in the diner, the pizza place. It just looks like a dirty place that matches this vibe of the movie. It really, really was perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all real locations. We didn't have money to build sets or anything. And I'm very proud. A lot of people don't like talking about budgets and things like that, but super proud that we made that movie for $35,000. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. And nobody knows that because there were so many wrong uh, people were posting that it was $100,000 or more. And I got really annoyed because I'm so proud of the work we did. Dude, that is unbelievable. I would have guessed two hundred and fifty grand at least. 35 grand. 35 grand. We put it in the can for about 35 grand in the can. I mean, it's digital, but we put, we filmed it for 35 grand. And then it cost us about an extra 15 during post. So about 50 grand it cost us. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it doesn't matter because people will just judge it based on the movie, rightfully so. But yeah, I mean, I think also that grit just comes from my genuine love of those movies. And although I did try to use a gimmicky technique of like degrading the footage a little bit, yeah, I think the tone and the atmosphere is pretty genuine. Like most modern exploitation movies or movies that try and capture that vibe, they come across as maybe very like a little too campy or hokey. Like they're they're trying like so hard to capture that vibe. I don't know if I if that's the what comes across when you see my work, but I'm hoping that it's coming from a more genuine place. Well, and then so you combine the grit with, like you said, you got some great performances and, and and we can talk about David Howard Thornton as art, just the way he plays this character, but also too the way that I'm sure you directed art. He's very like, he's not just stabbing somebody yeah. twice. He is like, where it's almost like, calm down, man. Like that's, it's too much. It's hard to watch. He's just cutting that guy. It's just, there's, there's an extra animalistic tendency that art has that brings it alive as well as David's performance of the character. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's relentless. And that's one of his, uh, one of the things, that's another thing I wanted to have him set him apart from the other killers. Cause typically your original guys, it's one blow. It's just the knife comes up, it goes down and it's quick. Yeah. And when you watch these movies, I mean, basically, that's what everybody really wants. That's the meat and potatoes. You want to see these kill scenes. So I said, if we're going to do it, plus since I'm the makeup effects artist and I could do a lot more stuff for very little money, like let's utilize that and let's give the people what they want and let's make every kill almost like a set piece in and of itself where and try and drag it out as much as possible. I love dragging out the tension before the kill happens. And then when the kill happens, even the kill doesn't end right away. It just keeps going and going. And that's something I try and do as much as possible with this character. 
But David, you know, speaking of Dave, listen, art striking. He looks really cool. I think he would be awesome in a comic book. But for a film, you have to put the right actor into those shoes. Originally, David did not play Art the Clown in my first two short films, and then they were put into a movie, All Hallows Eve. It was my buddy, Mike Gianelli, who did a great job, but his version was a lot more stoic or straight, however you want it. He wasn't that theatrical clown. And when Dave took over the role, Dave's an, a real actor, and he's a theater actor. Yeah. And he, and he's very animated, and he loves cartoons. He's basically a walking, breathing Roger Rabbit. In real life, if you meet Dave, he's <laughs> Bugs Bunny. So he started injecting that into the character, especially in, in the pizzeria scene. And I saw him first do the way he walked away from the table after he gives Tara the ring. I saw him do this very animated, quirky walk. And I said, hmm, I said, you know what? This character should be a lot more of a clown. Uh, I think that would add to another layer to him because I liked him being just very scary, very straight. But I said, if we add some of that, it'll add another layer to his character. But we'll make sure we don't go overboard with that. I always pull back and I try and walk a fine line. Mm -hmm. There's times there's where I tell Dave, all right, I don't want you to do right. any of that. Bring it back to just being straight, you know, sadistic, serious. So that's the fun. It's like, well, I write the script. I'll write, you know, the gimmicks, the jokes, the dark humor, all that kind of stuff. We'll film it my way. There's even, I always know what looks I want him to give and stuff for like the first two or three takes. And then I let Dave just go off for the next three takes or whatever. And have a blast mm -hmm. and that a lot of that great stuff comes out of there like him making all the faces in the pizzeria you know i just sat back rolled the camera and said all right dave go go crazy <laughs> so we did that all we did that a lot we do it all the time we did it in part two plenty of times i was watching footage the other day from years ago and i'm just watching him at the monitor just laughing and having a great time forget that those are the cool moments where you forget the stress you forget you're making a movie and you actually have fun little moments of joy so but dave's dave's great man and he could bring that dark side to it when he has to when he has to really flip the switch and maybe conjure up some personal demons and kill yeah. these people <laughs> he, when he was on talk is jericho years ago he mentioned that he had played the grinch mm -hmm. off broadway or, or whatever it was and there is a definite kind of a grinch tendency to it as well so you can see those little the way he yeah. uses his fingers and all that sort of stuff but but one last thing about art that i love is that you know in wrestling you call it a gimmick or he never breaks character. He's never had a gimmick. He never, he maybe he doesn't too, but in one, he never says a word. He's got his little, stu his little tricycle, his little horn, <laughs> but because it's so out of context, it makes it so much creepier that he never breaks character of being this psycho killer clown. Oh yeah. I, I think the, the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't make any sound, not even that he doesn't speak. Right. No, no noise comes out of him. It's also one of those things where it makes him more, animal almost or something where yes. you can't reason and you take away the communication it makes him a lot creepier and it also it allows him to be able to play with his victims more because i think the thing about art that's cool is he's not immediately intimidated like as you see jason just standing there with a machete or something yeah, yeah when art walks into the pizzeria and it's halloween the girls don't just freak out and leave yeah. bother that it's a guy dressed as a clown and the fact that he's not speaking or saying anything to aggressive or anything too offensive and he's just being silent and creepy and awkward it could you could play that out a while and you can build the tension on that so i think that helps a lot no it really doesn't like you said it creates a whole a mystique about him that really works yeah so when the, when the movie is released 
in and obviously like you mentioned it's a very small budget i'm sure the distribution was small were you actually pleasantly surprised when it becomes a thing where it gets onto netflix and suddenly you know we're going to comic cons and there's art the clowns all over the place and i mean obviously that was probably what you always wanted but what you want and what you actually get sometimes are two separate things so were you excited about how big it got very quickly yeah that's something as a kid you wish that something like that could happen especially if you're a horror fan but just seeing the love that people have for this like at conventions i literally have had people cry to me about what this movie means to them and that stuff doesn't sink in it's very very surreal when you've touched people like that over a horror movie a slasher film right but they absolutely love this character like he means a lot to a lot of people and just tattoos keep popping up we couldn't be more grateful and especially that's one of the reasons why part two took so long because i knew what it meant to people and i felt like we had this opportunity to turn it into something greater and i and this could be the only chance this could be a make or break so i right. really wanted to swing for the fences and, and give them something that was great because once again this is not a major studio property like when you're talking about friday the 13th or halloween or nightmare on elm street all of the great you know saw all of the great horror movie franchises this is not this. This is basically Damien and Phil and, and, and David to an extent going out there and, and, and carving out a whole niche for yourselves. Yeah. I mean, we actually did an Indiegogo campaign for, for this right. movie because we have a lot of money. And I think I set the goal at $50,000 because I saw what we did with the first one. I said, you know, we'll just do the same thing over again. In 24 hours, we hit like a, almost a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> and that was a huge eye opener. And, and that's a testament to the to the fan base that we have, how loyal they are, how supportive. And we even had fans, uh, you know, their perks were to be in the movie and get killed. And we spent a whole like two days with the fans. And it was really it's really great to have that sort of family environment. And we're constantly interacting with them. We're in the like this Art the Clown Facebook pages, like groups where they all congregate. And we're, we're always in there and we're always uh, interacting and giving them updates and whatnot. So. It's just, it's like a different time. It's like, this is just, I'm no different than any fan that's obsessed with movies. Like, I am absolutely obsessed with horror movies, have been since I'm a little kid, even at these cons. Like, I'm still, like, so shy and afraid to go up to my hero. <laughs> it's weird. So, so I know what it's like, and I, and I get it, and I love having everybody involved. You know, I just love the, the family atmosphere. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. kind of the the game plan and the strategy for part two so part one comes out you get on netflix you get some notoriety now you know you got something special and you said that this indiegogo shows how much interest there is and there's some more money involved so what kind of was your mindset don't fuck it up <laughs> <laughs> we had to go bigger we just had to go bigger and i had to try and rectify a lot of my flaws or shortcomings as a writer and as a filmmaker Again, these are things I tried to do. It doesn't mean that I succeeded, but this was the mindset. So going into part two, I really wanted to incorporate 
characters, you know, your uh, your protagonists that you could really identify with, and they were a lot more fleshed out. You know, the story was more involved, so it was, has more of a plot. Whereas the original, you know, Terrifier One is kind of just like a situation type movie. It happens, right? You know, you're not really learning anything; you're just thrust into the experience. This one, different pace. It's almost double the length of the first uh, Terrifier, which is very wow unorthodox for for a movie. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's two hours and uh, eighteen minutes long. <laughs> oh wow okay gotcha but <laughs> what we really did my my favorite part what i'm most excited for is for people to see the character sienna who's our no it's no surprise no no secret that she's our uh, final girl in this movie mm-hmm. and i wanted to sort of do the same thing with her that i did for art because typically in these movies they don't really put the final girl on the same sort of pedestal that they do the hero uh it's it's pretty pretty rare I'm sorry, the villain. The villain but yeah. with Sienna, I wanted her to be as striking visually as Art. So, I mean, in this movie, you know that Art is resurrected and he's supernatural. So, to me, that that just screams demon. But whether or not he really is, I'll, but but that's just where mm-hmm. my head. And I, you know, Sienna is now in this Halloween costume, but she's dressed as this Valkyrie, this sort of like Old Testament angel warrior so so now you have that striking image of this heaven hell angel versus demon type character going at it and that was fun to me you know if i was thrown into a like a studio executive's office and they were like well what's your pitch for terrifier 2 i would i would say i want to see red sonia versus you know freddy Krueger or something like that (laughs) right and they'd be like what the hell are you talking about like it doesn't matter like just look at that image that imagery if that was on a comic book you just want to pick that up where does this go? This clown, this angel warrior, like, where does that go? And, and that's really where it starts. It's a lot of times things were just like imagery, striking imagery. You know what I liked about it too, is like during Terrifier 1, we don't really know that art is supernatural until the very end. And then it becomes very apparent. I like how it's being embraced into, yeah. it's not kind of like, you know, androgynous where, you know, Michael Myers, after 18 movies, they're now finally just admitting that there's a supernatural element to him. Right. Or, you know, Jason, it took six movies before they were, you know, resurrected from the grave with the lightning bolt and all that other stuff. So we're, we actually know now, okay, so he is more than just a human being. I like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's what I, going in, uh, just like you said, every movie, you can't have seven movies without the killer getting killed. I mean, there's just, you can't have that many, right. that many interactions, that, that much conflict with, with your final girl without getting a death blow. Something, yeah. Yeah, so I said, let's just jump in and embrace that. And instead of not addressing it, like you just said, they do in all the movies, you never know why Jason's supernatural. They don't even question it, really. He's just, he comes back and he starts killing. I said, like, that's a big deal. I mean, what is that supernatural force? What is that evil entity or whatever driving this character? And that's a huge part. It's also a huge character that hasn't been spoiled yet, believe it or not, in, in Terrifier 2. Big part of it. And there's also a supernatural element that starts to work its way into our final girl, into Sienna. The, the whole world is a huge element. So that's where I took the biggest risk with this movie. I went really deep into a fantasy element, sort of like right. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 or something like that. That was like one of my biggest inspirations mm. for this movie, totally. So that's a big risk, but the safety net is Arthur Clown. I he's very much the same tone as the original. I mean, he is, but more vicious, more sadistic. So, so I mean that again, like you don't want to ruin art. I, I knew what we had. I knew what people like with that character. So he's he's very consistent. But um, 
it, it's exciting. I'm really excited to see. We did take some crazy chances. Well, so I've read the script and seen some of the, some of the stuff. And once again, you've gone out of your way. If you thought, you know, what, how do you beat the medieval torture of, you know, the sob getting sawed in half? Well, there's, there's a scene in there that's, that's to me is the equivalent the the newest version of that you know which one we're talking about as well i don't even want to give anything away but it involves a, a skinning shall we say but um i'll say this the thing i like about it as well is that you you walk a fine line i always say this about great wrestling villains it's hard to make people love you but it's even harder to make people really hate you but when they really start hating you that's when they start loving you and what I mean by that is every great bad guy always turns into a good guy in cinematic history. Darth Vader, Terminator, Hannibal Lecter. Had, had Heath Ledger not passed away, the Joker would have been a good guy in the next Batman. Yeah. So I think it was important that you have a great protagonist like Sienna. Because if not, if you just have a bunch of nameless, faceless, you know, pizza place operators, you're going to start cheering for Art the Clown. Right. You, you want to see him kill people. That's right. what you want, right? So it's a, it's a fine line. A hundred percent. There's nothing like a great hero, man. As much as I love villains, people don't realize uh, how much I'm obsessed with a good hero, especially Ripley from Aliens. Right. Is arguably the greatest character, greatest hero, regardless of gender. That, that it doesn't matter. I mean, she is just perfect. Yes. The way she's written, she's the most badass, the most vulnerable, the most real three-dimensional character you'll ever get. There are just so many beautiful setups and payoffs with that character it's just textbook perfect screenwriting so listen i mean i'm always living in big clouds big fantasy clouds you know what i mean like <laughs> characters i admire i wish i could write something like that but that is an aspirational character like i did look at ripley from aliens and try and grab whatever i could to put into sienna things like that so yeah there was a lot of care and, and sienna is a very fleshed out very vulnerable character very courageous um so i'm very curious to see how people uh take her it's interesting because when, when you talked we mentioned earlier about, about the about the lockdown and the pandemic so for our new fozzy record boombox it came out in may we had finished it a year ago and people always ask was always asking me did the pandemic like did you write new songs and did you rewrite what we did was just make sure what we had was right and we didn't have to rush it so it didn't push back the date of the album release because we were redoing it. We just had more time to hone in on what we had. Was it the same for you with Terrifier 2? Yes, 100%. I was not happy with the way the big kill was coming out, which was the one that's supposed to rival the Hacksaw scene. That we spoke about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, we got thrust into this movie so quickly, and I was actually trying to hire additional makeup artists to take a lot of the burden off my shoulders. I was going to give them like 40% of the makeup effects and they wound up bailing out a month before we started shooting and i was like oh my god i was like now i gotta pick up all the slack what do we do do we postpone and phil's like no we just gotta go we just gotta jump into it so we started filming without a lot of the effects being prepared so that's another reason why it took forever we'd shoot for a week but if we had a big effect coming up i'd literally have to take off the next week build the effects and then we'd jump in wow yeah so we did start shooting that kill scene before the pandemic and I just knew it was nowhere even close to what the hacksaw scene was. So then over the pandemic break, I, you know, I called up Dave and I called up Phil and I said, look, this is, a, this is an opportunity to really, I have all this time now. I could start building these effects properly and we could start adding more 
vicious things to do to this character. <laughs> More moments, you know? And it is terrible. It, it's terrible. It is terrible, but you have to get into that Arthur Clown mindset. You know, you're writing this character. You have to think like the devil sometimes. He's like the devil in Med Jack the Ripper, which is, I literally saw a picture of one of Jack the Ripper's victims in a book once. The woman is just mutilated beyond belief. Like you could, you could barely tell it's a body in a bed. Wow. And I said, okay, I said, let's take that and let's reverse engineer that. Like, how did that? Oh, right, right, right. That was really the idea for, for this kill scene. That's, that's where it started. You never know where these seeds are going to come from, but that was it. And then it just, it was just building these effects for, for months. And then we went back in and shot that scene. It was an additional five days just for this one kill scene. Wow. Cause sometimes you can only do one effect, you know, the makeup would take maybe like five hours for me to apply. And then it would be one effect that would take another three hours to shoot. And then before you know it, the day's over and all you got is two seconds mm -hmm. of footage. Uh, so five days it took us to shoot that kill scene, but it came out really good. I, I don't know if it rivals the hacksaw scene. That's only for, uh, people to say but i believe you'll know the scene it, uh, yeah you like oh, this is the one they were going for yeah. it's godfather godfather 2 you might like the hacksaw better just because it's more ingrained but it's pretty freaking close man close. i'll take it man. that's good the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Like we mentioned, I, I'm actually in, at, at the end of the movie. Yeah. And we filmed that. It was one of the first kind of trips. Because I was always flying back and forth to Jacksonville for AEW but I think we filmed in Staten Island it was one of the first trips back into the, the real world shall we say but it was still kind of a lockdown situation like people were just starting to come out so it was kind of cool but I'll tell you what it was creepy because the world was just getting back but it was even creepier where we filmed this place we filmed this scene midnight to 6am or wherever it was and what was it a, a former mental institution I think it's still a working mental institution. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It's called uh, Bailey Seaton. The, the Fuzz Boys, Fuzz on the Lens, they're my co-producers. Uh, they got us that connection. A great place. They film a lot of shows there, a lot of big shows. Like Gotham would film there, and there's a Kevin Bacon uh, show that films there all the time. That was cool, man. I got to say, dude, you were so amazing, by the way. And you also immediately made me feel so comfortable because you just came in. I didn't know what it was going to be like to work with you or I don't typically work with people of your, your stature. So really <laughs> put me at ease and you were so much fun to work with, man. It was like, we, I had a blast. I, I enjoyed it. So, so, and we're not giving anything away, but it's kind of one of the, the final scenes when we can actually discuss it. If you want to, there was a, a shift yeah, in the actual scene, the, the, the ending of this movie oh, yeah. had to be changed because Somebody else stole the ending of this movie in a lot of ways, right? Yep. I, I was coming home from a horror convention, and one of my co-producers called me up, and he goes, did you see X? Not X, the movie X, but this movie. <laughs> yeah, this movie, yeah. It just came out. And I said, no. And he goes, oh, you got to go home and watch the ending. He goes, it is exactly what we just did at the end. I was like, oh, my God, my heart sank. Sank. 
And then I went home and I'm like, maybe it's not as bad as maybe. And I go and watch it and it's like shot for shot. It was so close. God. So close. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, no matter what, even if we still do it, people are going to be like, oh, you totally ripped that off because it's too close. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to lose your scene, obviously. I didn't want to scrap it. I didn't know if we should just totally scrap it and just pick it up. And if we do a Terrifier 3, change it for the beginning. And I got to say, I was going back and forth with my production slash costume designer, Olga. And we were just talking about, you know, where, what else could we do with this? What else could happen? And she actually threw out this idea almost as a joke. We were laughing. And then all of a sudden I just stopped and I'm like, wait a minute, you know what? That's fantastic. It's actually perfect. And it fit in with something that we already did in the movie. So it was almost like a blessing. Yeah, it really was. And we went in and we decided to reshoot it. And we, uh, I think it's better. I do think it's better. Uh, it's wild. It's, it's, very, it's, it's, it's funny too because for me like my, my part gets kind of changed so like whenever and it's always that way when you film something you never know what, what's going to be used in the edit and i was like oh no <laughs> my part but it is a great great ending it's a great ending but the thing for me filming that is you know i'm one of the attendants in this insane asylum and you had me eating these <laughs> it's like halloween night and you have me eating like jelly eyes they were yogurt eyeballs i think <laughs> and i had to eat like 10 of them or whatever and the first couple were fine but afterwards it started getting to me started grossing me out I so i was eating these jelly eyeballs in this cold disgusting like no offense to the fine people at this place but man it was it was it, i was starting to get kind of grossed out like i don't want to eat these eyeballs anymore i know yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then you had me in the cell with with the ending, and there's like a plate of like food, mm -hmm. and it's really gross food, but it's real food, like cream corn or something. It was just the whole thing was just grossing me out. It was like I know it was a movie and it wasn't real, but when you're filming it, it gets kind of real. Uh, smell <laughs> gets real. I mean, it's real food just sitting out on a set. It starts. It's gross, rancid, and coagulated and whatnot. Everything starts to get a film. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, I have. Uh, we have some footage of you eating those eyeballs. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh man. I'm like, dude, can we do one more? I want to get like a nice close <laughs> yeah. it. I made sure I put that close up in the movie. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing. Like I said, it was really cool to be involved. I actually, still have the the uh, ID badge of the character right over here. Once again, to be a part of this is is a huge deal because everybody's talking about terrifier too and there's a big buzz about it i mean i'm you know you've been sending me some clips i've been reading the stuff that's on your instagram all the stuff now that there's a lot of there's a lot of people excited about this film i'm really uh, I'm super excited and a little nervous for sure i, I want to know what people think but uh i'm dying to see this in a theater with my casting crew because i know seeing the first terrifier with an audience was a wild experience it really was there was so much screaming and laughing and weird reactions that i didn't expect when he pulls out the gun and shoots jenna i mean you i, I never heard a combination of screams cheers laughs and boos at, at the same time. yeah it hit everybody differently and i said like whoa that was special that was interesting. well I, I, I was gonna bring that up before now when i when i first saw that i remember thinking that's so lame why he just pulls out a gun and shoots you never see a serial killer do that so why does art do that yeah why not man i think uh again he should be completely unpredictable i don't think anything would be off limits for him to use as a weapon 
But to me, you know, guns could be absolutely terrifying. And it was almost like a personal challenge to say, could I put a gun, like a modern gun, in the hands of a serial killer like Jason or Freddy? And would that work? I mean, how weird. Right. You know, and if I was going to give it to him, make him use it in a very unexpected way and, and in a way that a slasher would use it. So he pulls it out when you least expect it. And that's a typical, unpredictable Art the Clown move. And then he doesn't just take out the character right away. He lets her suffer. So he just keeps shooting her in the leg and the thigh, you know? And then when he finally kills her, he doesn't stop there. Then he just like empties the out in her face because he has to mutilate people, of course. It was an experiment. I tried it. Is, is it D- David had a, had a good point about it. He said that uh, it's almost like she was spoiling Art's game. She's almost like, well, I'm taking my ball and going home. Like a little petulant kid. Like, well, just forget it then. Boom, 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 boom. You want to play my game? Then I'm just going to shoot you. Could be. Could be. I kind of, yeah. I like, I like that. I guess like, okay. I like it too. I like it too. The one thing about art is he is like the devil or he's just unfair. I mean, there's nothing he won't do. I mean, why? I thought it was perfect for him to just take out a gun and take out the main character in the middle of the movie. That set him up because part one is really a showcase for art and setting up his character right? and what he is and how sadistic and unpredictable he is. And now the audience does not feel safe around him. They know if they go into part two, he could potentially take out Sienna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. So I, I like that. And, and that is the case. You know, I never never know what I'm going to do with him or how far I'm going to take him. It's, it's fun. Fun to explore. But that was a, a great point in that it's almost like what, what, what Eli Roth did in Hostel where you build up these characters and then you kill them halfway through to where the nice guy gets killed right away. And you're like, well, he's supposed to be the the final girl. Like Tara's the final girl. Yeah. Right. You know, and then that kind of, you just take her out and now you got the rest of the movie and what are we going to do now? So that was, once again, you, 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 you are going against the typical tropes of what a horror movie is. Yeah. I think that's the key. I mean, try it's that fine line where people, they have so much love and nostalgia for these slashers. So they, they don't want to stray too far. They want that again. They want that similar feeling. They want to go ride that roller coaster again, but they want it to be fresh at the same time. When I say them, I mean me. I mean, I, I got this. Me as a, as a fan, I want to experience the modern version of those characters, those movies that I grew up loving. That's just like my mindset when I go into it. Like, what would they do with those characters now? What could I do where I get that same feeling, but it's more modern, it's a little fresher, and maybe it's a little more, maybe a little more sadistic, a little more graphic now (laughs) than it was back then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So how how is Terrifier 2 going to be distributed? You mentioned there's some you know film festivals and that sort of thing. Are you getting theatrical? Are you going on demand? Or is it going to be on a platform? Yes, so it's going to have a limited theatrical release. I don't think they announced it yet, but I believe it's October 6th to the 8th. Mm. And it's it's going to play all over the country. I think maybe like 500 screens. 
so yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty exciting. That's huge, yeah. And then it's going to be on Screenbox. So this was picked up by a company Cynodyne, uh, Screenbox, Bloody Disgusting. They're all they're all together, and they're absolutely loved the movie, loved it. And you know, they're not for cutting out the violence or anything like that. They were like cool with the the running time because the running time, especially when we had a sales agent shopping this around, when people would hear the running time, they're like, what? For, for a slasher movie? Sure. But then, believe it or not, uh, everybody who sees it and they talk to me, they go, they say, this movie just flies. You don't even think about the running time. And, and I consciously knew that going in. I said, you know, this is long, but it can't be boring. There's always something happening there's always like the heat is just building and building throughout this whole movie and it art's in it constantly i mean the, the goods are constantly delivered in this movie like they, there's just so much candy it does not feel like a long movie but there's a lot of uh, great character building so when you like you said when these characters do of course a lot of them get taken out in typical terrifier fashion you will feel i think you'll feel a lot closer to them uh, like you'll have known them and it's going to be more effective when you have to lose some of these characters mm. as opposed to the first one. It's just like so fast you meet them and they get taken out. This, you know, you get to spend time with these people and really know them and see the relationships that they build and whatnot. Well, that's taking quite a chance to have, you know, a two and a half hour slasher movie. So, I mean, obviously once again, that's something you don't see every day. I can't think of any, I mean, you know, silence of the lambs is, two hours and 45 but i mean that's a whole different vibe right yeah so so obviously you you must feel very comfortable with the with the material and the script to, to make it that long and i've actually cut things plenty of things out of this so it could have been even even longer there's a particular scene in this movie where it's almost like a short film in and of itself that comes in around the 20 minute mark 25 minute mark. and it's a wild scene uh, it's definitely a scene that people will talk about, but that's one of the reasons why it extends the length a little bit. But again, it's such a wild and it's a pivotal scene, but it's such a wild, crazy scene that I think people are going to love. But yeah, it's just it's an it's a pretty unorthodox structure, the way the movie's told. But again, I really don't think it's boring. It moves fast and um always trying to get notes from people. You know, I've showed a lot of people, a lot of close people, people who aren't afraid to tell me, you know, this sucks, especially Phil is constantly tells me everything's <laughs> he's a new yorker for sure man everything's terrible yeah this sucks of that terrible <laughs> but he, he loves it he loves it he's he's very proud of it he thinks it's fantastic he thinks it wipes the floor with the uh with the first one so hopefully hopefully he knows what he's talking about <laughs> how does it work now with art the clown as far as marketing and I mean, i've seen some art the clown masks and that sort of thing. it seems to me that you're you know as the creator of this character would be kind of sitting on a horror movie gold mine here with people wanting to market and license this character. Yeah, it's starting to pick up for sure. We have um, how yeah, like you said, we have masks, we have figures from Trick or Treat Studios. There's two officially licensed masks. Uh, one from uh, Immortal Masks, like a silicone one. There's so much good stuff. There's another small, like four inch action figure coming out from Trick or Treat Studios which is really cool. I think it even changes color. It's one of those, like you put it in the freezer and <laughs> like some gimmick like that. What else is coming out? We were contacted by Party City that they want to do a life-size animatronic. Jeez. Again, just super surreal stuff. Man. It's just uh, mind-blowing. It's so so grateful. See, th that's interesting to me because, you know, somebody created Jason Voorhees and somebody created, you know, Michael Myers, but it, because it was more of a studio production, not like just one guy owns right. Jason Voorhees, whereas you have this very unique 
situation where if, if, if art becomes the next Jason, it's all boiled back down to you basically. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird situation. It's sort of, unpre- I feel like everything, almost everything with this movie feels unprecedented. There's really, I can't look back and say, Oh, I'll learn from kind of like exactly what these guys did. I can't really remember when something, this little $35,000 slasher movie based on a character that's been around trickling in for a while. It's just a weird, unique situation. So I'm just trying to, trying to deal with it just day by day. Did any studio like reach out to you and say, we want to acquire the rights to this before? Nope. Really? Never, never, never. I've never been contacted by anybody from Hollywood regarding this. God. Yeah. I think it's frowned upon. (laughs) Because, because, because it's the horror genre or why? I really don't know, but people come up to me all the time and they talk to me about it. Like it deserves to be on that level and that like, how has Hollywood not, how's anybody not? And I'm telling you, it just has not, it has not happened. So it's still just a very little indie family oriented movie. It does blow my mind though. Like not only because, you know, you and I are talking, but just from, you know, they're always looking for content and they're looking for, for something to hang their hat on and you have like if you go to any horror movie convention art the clown is everywhere and it's just interesting to me that no one has gone dude this is it this is the next big guy let's buy it from damien for a couple million and start producing you know art the clown one through eight and you know art the clown goes to space and all that sort of stuff say i love the way you think <laughs> You're not- who knows i i think that part two is gonna put us on another level. I don't know how big, yeah. but I mean, everything about it is bigger and better. It's just the production value is bigger. It looks like a much bigger movie. It is a bigger movie, but it's still a super low budget movie in terms of Hollywood perspective. So yet to be determined. I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll see. Hopefully, like I said, we put in so much work in making this as good as it could possibly be. I know it's not going to disappoint the fans of the original. Mm. That's for sure delivers all the goods that they loved from the first one it checks all those boxes but it may in some ways appeal to a broader audience slightly whereas the first one was just very gritty dark slasher this one there are different elements that might appeal to more people but we'll see but uh, listen my door's open for hollywood to come knocking (laughs) do you have ideas i mean obviously the end of two leaves it wide open for a three do you have ideas kind of like, okay, I could do three, four, five, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Absolutely. I, ha- I certainly have an idea for another one that's getting a lot bigger. So it might even be something where it could be broken up into two more movies. Mm-hmm. After that, I think the well's going to start to run dry and it will start falling into the, you know, the pitfalls of all the yeah. slasher movies, which, listen, I love them. Those are they're my favorites. I still love part eights and nines and things like that. But I think at some point you need to tell a solid, concise story that has a nice beginning, middle, and an end, or else then you start falling into this trap where now you have like multiple universes where, you know, like, yeah, Amy Lee Curtis has been killed like three times now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a shame sometimes, too, because like if you watch the franchises from start to finish, you have this beautiful, amazing character like Dr. Loomis with Michael Myers that has this beautiful arc. And then it kind of just like peters out mm. in the grand scheme. It's like, well, what, where does his character really go? And I, I don't want to fall into that trap with my heroes. Right. But who knows? I mean, we'll see where it goes. It's 
that sounds great as an artist, but you know, business always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Business always different. Last few things for you, Damien. You mentioned how how you, how you took almost three years to film this movie. What was kind of uh, your favorite part about filming it? And what was the hardest? Like, what was the hardest scene to film with all of the trials and tribulations you went through in making Terrifier 2? It's just the hours, really. Sometimes sometimes I would do like 22-hour days, almost like back-to-back. And I would Jeez. get like two hours of sleep because especially like days where I have to do the makeup, I'm the first person there with Dave, and that could take three hours sometimes. And then you go into a 16-hour day of shooting, and then I got to take the makeup off of him. And then, you know, you're trying to scramble and you do your storyboards because you have to prep for the next day. And that could really bring you down and that that wears you out. Mm-hmm. Just doing that for months at a time was really brutal. But the best part is just the, the people that I surrounded myself with. Having, you know, Lauren Levera who plays Sienna, like having her there, like by my side the whole way, someone who cared so much about this character and just like, there's just this glint in her eye to like where she felt like we were doing something so special and if i was ever down and i would like catch that i'd be like oh all right you know what this is you know we're making movies we're having fun and all my guys are always like just telling jokes and keeping it lighthearted. so things like that were were great trying to think of a specific scene that was the hardest to film you know maybe maybe it was that kill scene just because of how long it took it was intense and a big shout out to the actress. I don't know if I should say who the actress is. But that's a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> but she's another one. I told her I'm going to build her. You know, she's going to get the Catherine Corcoran Award for this one. I'm going to build her an MVP trophy because what we put her through was she had, I'm going to call it the every right to complain trophy. Right. Nothing bothers me more than people who have no business complaining on the set. And they do. They'll, they'll just, it, it drives me crazy. And she just, we put her through hell. And she was just so amazing to work with and be around. She didn't complain once. I mean, she was like glued to the carpet because of how much blood was on oh, her. Like, cat- yeah. They, they would say, I've heard them talk about it. like someone had to follow around Sissy Spacek with a, um, with a water bottle because she just kept sticking to herself. You know, <laughs> I actually had to do that to her. It, like, I, I found myself in that situation where she was stuck to the rug and things like throughout the whole course. And I had to keep like spraying her arms and stuff to loosen her up. She was amazing, but that was, that was tough. And also there was some pressure there because I wanted the effects to look great and I wanted it to hold up to the hacksaw scene. Well, there's another scene too that, 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 that was in the script. And I know you spoke about talking, we don't have to give it away, but there's a massive kill scene. Right, right. Which I'm assuming probably took a lot of time because there's, you mentioned Carrie. Yeah. It's, it's almost something like that at the Carrie at the end of the prom where there's just people all over the place, that kind of a vibe. Yeah, believe it or not, I was the most nervous going into that. And that turned out to be the easiest three days, probably of the entire shoot. And I think the reason for that was because we were so nervous and we knew that, you know, we had our close eight man crew that pretty much, you know, five to eight man, whatever it was, making the entire movie. But on these particular days, we had firemen coming in. We had like trucks of EMTs and firemen and um, big special effects teams because we had we had fire and people on fire and things like that so we knew we had to have our shit together we couldn't mess around so everything was scheduled to a t and everything was planned so perfectly so it really ran like a well-oiled machine on those days if only i did the entire shoot like that (laughs) two years ago (laughs) well it's gonna be huge last two questions for you about terrifier one what is your favorite scene in terrifier one that is not the hacksaw scene the hacksaw scene actually isn't my favorite scene. It's the pizzeria scene. Yeah. 
by far. Because I think that is where art really gets to shine, where his personality gets to shine. And I do love the tension as much as I love the gore in these movies, but I love building suspense. And I love getting awkward laughs out of an audience. And there's so many uncomfortable <laughs> awkward So that that's fun. So that's that's my favorite. The selfie's the best. The selfie. <laughs> Last question. What is in the bag? What is in Art's garbage bag when he comes into the pizzeria? Has that ever been revealed? Is it like Marcellus Wallace's briefcase? No, I mean, I thought, I get that question a lot. It's really just all his uh, weapons. Gotcha. You can see when he's uh, torturing Jenna, when he's about to kill Catherine, you see his bag and you see like everything kind of like splayed out and you see it. The idea for the bag was because, again, in all these movies, the killer has to go find a new weapon. Or it's like, where did Jason get that weed rack? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't want to be burdened with having to f- worry about where he's going to get his next weapon. So I say, he's just going to carry them all. Perfect. The Santa sack, you know, his bag of tricks. That's really what it is. That's perfect. He's got a bag. It's like, it's like a Batman's utility belt, exactly. but it's arts uh, kill weapons in a garbage bag. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it's awesome uh, talking to you. Awesome working with you. I'm very excited for people to see Terrifier 2. And now um, Adam Burke yeah, yes. could make a return in, in Terrifier 3. Absolutely, he can. You never yeah. know. He survives, maybe, too. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Dude, this is an honor. Thank you so much for having me having me on this. Uh, actually, what you what you find out is in the director's cut, when you have the additional scenes, is that he actually gets food poisoned by that yogurt eye and dies of, uh, of dysentery. All along. <laughs> Yep, the yogurt eyeballs. <laughs> Dude, congratulations, man. I'm looking forward to seeing the whole movie. And I think people are gonna gonna really enjoy it. Uh thanks, buddy. Great talking, man. Great talking. Talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Later, pal. Cheers. Hey.